0: I want to begin a new series tonight uh, entitled, Abraham, the Friend of God. And uh, I want to live with Abraham a few weeks uh, as we study the Word of God because Abraham is the father of the faith, as you know. And he is a picture to us of what it means to walk with God. And last week, I kind of sprung onto this uh, topic as I discussed with you the ways of the Lord. And if you want to, if you want to be God's friend, you have to learn God's ways. Uh, vamos a estar hablando sobre Abraham, el amigo de Dios. Y así, uh, si, uh, recuerda la semana pasada hablamos de los caminos de Jehová. Y queremos uh, hablar de el hecho de que si usted quiere ser amigo de Dios, tiene que conocer los caminos de Dios. A forma que Dios trabaja. And so beginning at Genesis chapter 12 and verse 7, it says, The Lord appeared to Abram and said to your descendants, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Then he proceeded from there to the mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west side and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, continuing toward Negev. Now there was a famine in the land, so Abraham went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the the famine was severe in the land. Now if you would, go to Isaiah chapter 41 and verse 8. It's a brief verse of scripture there, and then I want you to keep your Bible open in Genesis chapter 12, Isaiah chapter 41, verse 8, God describes Abraham, and he says, but you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, descendant of Abraham, my friend, and I want you to think about that for a moment, God says Abraham is his friend, and he speaks to the nation of Israel, and he speaks to us tonight, and he says, you are children of Abraham, my friend. And so if we want to know what it means to be a friend of God, Abraham is a good source for us to study. So let's pray tonight and invite the teacher to come and teach. Holy Spirit, we thank you tonight because you have made your presence known among us. And now we pray in Jesus' name that you would come and teach us from the volume of your book. We ask that you would allow us to open our hearts, our minds to the Word of God tonight that we might desire and yearn for a deeper, closer, and nearer walk with God. We ask that in Jesus' name. And the church said amen. Amen. How many of you want to walk in the ways of the Lord? ¿Cuántos quieren caminar en los caminos del Señor? I want you to listen to what the Bible says about God's ways. I shared with you last time that the Bible says that the nation of Israel knew God's works, but Moses knew God's ways. And so what we're going to be talking about in this uh, series is not just knowing what God does, but really getting to know how God operates. God's ways uh, are His, His ways of operating in, in our lives. Los caminos de Dios no solamente reflejan lo que Dios hace, Pero lo que Dios, como Dios hace, como Dios es. Entonces, conocer los caminos de Dios es distinto a simplemente a conocer sus obras. Muchos quieren las obras de Dios, la mano de Dios. Pero no todos buscan el rostro de Dios. A lot of people seek God's works, that's his hands, but they don't always seek his face. And there is a friendship, an intimacy that you and I can have with God that goes to us being able to know God on a personal level. Psalm 27, verse 11, just jot these down if you would. The, the psalmist says, teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in the level path. Psalm 27, Tenemos la oración del salmista que dice, muéstrame enseñame tus caminos, O Señor, O Jehová. Y guíame en tu senda. Psalm 25, verse 4. God, uh, the psalmist says, make me know your ways, O Lord, and teach me your path. El Psalm 25, 4. Enseñame tus caminos, oh Jehová. Y enseñame tus obras. Psalm 86, Psalm 86, 11. Teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to the fear of of your name. El Salmo 86:11 dice, Enséñame tus caminos, oh Señor, y caminaré por tu verdad, y uniré mi camino, o mi corazón, a tu nombre. Micah chapter 4, verse 2, Mickey capítulo 4, verse 2: It says, Many nations will come and say, Come and let us go to the mountain of the Lord and to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us about his ways. And that we may walk in his paths. Now, if that's the prayer of your heart tonight. Si es la oración de tu corazón. To know God's ways. Then I want you to study with me the life of Abraham. Because Abraham is a friend of God. And if, he, if there's anybody in the Bible that knew God's ways, it was Abraham. Now, I just want to uh, mention at the outset a couple things about the way that God works. Quiero mencionar al comienzo uh, cuatro cosas de como Dios opera. Four things you need to know about how God operates. These are four things you're going to find all throughout the Bible, over and over and over again, in the life of every person that God worked through, moved in in or or, uh, through, and in the life of every person who walked with God, you see these four things happening. Dios opera de, de esta forma y voy a mencionar cuatro cosas y esas cuatro cosas las va a ver en toda la Biblia. And so if you ever wonder what's God like, or you ask, what does God like? Or how does God operate? These are some answers to those questions. Si usted se pregunta ¿Qué es lo que Dios, qué es lo que agrada a Dios? O ¿Cómo es que Dios opera? I'll just give you an example. If I were to ask you, uh, how does your husband operate? If I were to ask you, how does your wife operate? How, how do your children operate? You'd be able to tell me, well, these are some characteristics of what they do. I heard the story about a little girl once she had one of her cousins over at the house. And she said, um, do you want to stay over at my house tonight? She said, yeah, but... Um, we need to ask your dad. And she said, oh, don't worry about that. I know how he works. And so she went and she climbed into her dad's lap and she started saying, daddy, I love you so much. Uh, daddy, you're the best daddy in the whole world. Había una niña que quería que otra niña se quedara en la casa. Entonces él le dijo, espérate aquí. Yo, yo sé cómo mi papá trabaja. Y ella fue y se pues sí se subió a sus regazos y dijo, papá, no hay otro papá como como tú. Tú eres el más lindo de todos los padres. What she didn't know was that she had heard her her father had heard her say, "I know how my daddy operates." And uh, but what she understood was that her father responded to certain things. And all of us have our ways. Some of you, uh, the first thing you do in the morning is you take a cup of coffee. And if you don't have your cup of coffee, you're not going to have a good day. And some of you, uh, you, need, uh, you need to wake up on the right side of the bed. You need to hear the right things so that your day can go well. We all have our ways. Well, guess what? God has his ways. And God wants us to know his ways. Because when we know his ways, we can please him. And when we are pleasing to him, we're walking with him. We're walking in a fellowship and a friendship with God that is intimate And pure. Now, these are four things here that you can uh, know about God. Esos son cuatro cosas que usted y yo podemos saber de Dios. Number one, the first thing we need to know about the ways of God is that God always takes the initiative. Lo primero que tenemos que entender de los caminos de Dios es que Dios siempre toma la iniciativa. God never waits for you and I to move toward him. He moves toward us. And if you look back at your life, you look back at your Christian experience, you're going to discover that there was a moment in your life when God moved upon you. Si usted estudia su vida espiritual, usted se va reconocer que hubo un día cuando Dios tomó la iniciativa y puso su mano sobre él. You might have thought, That you came to church one day because uh, your girlfriend invited you to church or because your mama told you you need to go to church or because um, they were giving away free food at church. You might have thought whatever it was that brought you to church. It wasn't none of that. It was God taking the initiative in drawing you to himself. Cuando usted piensa en eso, quizá usted piensa, "No, yo vine a la iglesia porque alguien me invitó, porque iban a dar cena o porque a mi mamá insistió", pero la realidad es que usted llegó a la casa de Dios y llegó a los caminos de Dios porque Dios tomó la iniciativa. Jesus said to the uh, disciples, "You didn't choose me, I chose you." Jesús le dijo a los discípulos, "Ustedes no me escogieron a mí, yo los escogí. A vos a vosotros. Now think about that. The fact that he chose means he took the initiative. El tomo la The work that is in your life right now, the spiritual work that God is doing in your life is the result of God's choice and God's initiative on your life. And listen, guys, God does not make mistakes and God doesn't start things that he leaves unfinished. Dios no hace errores y no comienza cosas y las deja sin terminar. In fact, the Bible said that he that began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. La Biblia dice que el que empezó, el que inició la buena obra en ti es fiel hasta el terminarla. And you and I uh, can have this assurance tonight because many times we wonder. A veces nos, es necesario tener esta confianza porque a veces se viene el pensamiento a nuestra cabeza, a nuestra mente. Sometimes we have this thought that comes to mind. They say maybe God doesn't want me anymore. Maybe God is tired of me. Maybe God uh, changed His mind about me. Quizá usted dice no. Quizá Dios cambió su mente sobre mí. Ya Dios no me va a usar. Ya no tiene planes para mí. Here's the fact. What God began, God began of a sovereign decision of His own. Lo que Dios empezó en tu vida lo empezó de una decisión soberana. He chose you. He took the initiative in your life. Él tomó la iniciativa en tu vida. He's going to finish the work in you. Here's the thing God chose Abraham. God found a man that he could use, a man that suited his purpose, and he took the initiative in calling Abraham. Dios tomó la iniciativa con Abraham. Y lo llamó. The Bible said he called him out of Ur of the Chaldees. He was in a pagan society. He was in a. Uh, in an idol worshiping society and tradition says that Abraham's family was actually uh, wealthy because of the sale and marketing of idols. So his family business was the production of false gods. La, la familia de Abraham por tradición se entiende que ellos hacían ídolos. Y que eran una familia que se había enriquecido a través de la venduta o la la venta de ídolos Hacia una cultura pagana Y desde eso, from that environment, God made a choice De de esa cultura, Dios hizo una, una decisión And That just ought to tell you everything you need to know right there. Eso nos debe decir todo lo que usted necesita saber. Is that God doesn't need perfect candidates. Dios no necesita candidatos perfectos. You might say, well, you know, I have a bad background. My family came out of the worst uh, uh, forms of, uh, of idolatry or paganism. I don't care, friend. When God sets his hand upon you, God does what he sets out to do. Cuando Dios pone su mano sobre alguien, Él hace lo que Él entiende decide hacer. And think about this. God takes Abraham out of a pagan polytheistic culture And he puts him in a culture, he actually creates an entire new culture from this man. De una cultura pagana, de diversos dioses, Dios saca un hombre y Abraham empieza una cultura nueva, una cultura que creía solamente en un Dios y en un ídolo. A culture that would defy idolatry and that would raise up the only God. And so God does that because he chooses him. He sovereignly and, uh, and uh, in his own power has made a choice about Abraham. And so he has made that choice about you. The Bible said that he chose you from before the foundation of the world. Dice escogió a nosotros desde antes de la fundación del mundo. Listen, before there was even one single star Or one single planet created before there was even a planet Earth, God had already chosen and decided to create you from before the foundation of the world desde antes que hubiera una estrella un planeta o el planeta tierra Dios ya había decidido y te había escogido he chose you, he named you, he decided what what year you would be born in, what day you would be born on él decidió el año en el cual ibas a nacer, el día en el cual tú ibas a nacer y también escogió el día de tu nacimiento espiritual and he also also chose the date of your spiritual birthday. You you are not a surprise to God. Usted no es sorpresa para Dios. para Dios lo que inició antes de la fundación del mundo. Lo está llevando a cabo nuestras vidas. What God decided and chose to do from before the foundations of the world, then God is carrying that out in our life. Listen, friends, what's happening in time. Was determined in eternity. Lo que está ocurriendo en el tiempo. Fue decidido en la eternidad. And this is important for us to know the ways of the Lord. That he's the one that takes the initiative. That he's the one that began. That purposed your life. Eso es importante entender. Esta forma de los caminos de Dios. Que él es el que comienza. El que comenzó. El que tomó la iniciativa en nuestra vida. Second thing. Is that God has set times. Lo segundo que tenemos que ver de los caminos de Dios es que Dios tiene tiempos um, determinados. God has determined times. Say that with me. God has set times. Listen, God will not get off schedule. Dios no se uh, retira de la agenda. I told you, he set his schedule before the foundation of the world. Él estableció la agenda desde antes de la fundación del mundo. And so he has a schedule that he's on. Él, él tiene una agenda en la cual está trabajando. And the Bible said that Jesus came in the fullness of time. Jesús vino a la tierra en la plenitud del tiempo. What does that tell us? That tells us that when God begins something, when God starts something in your life, or when God promises something in your life, it's not gonna happen on your schedule. It's gonna happen on his schedule. Dios algo nuestra vida, Dios no lo va a hacer Listen, God promised Abraham the land of Israel, a land flowing with milk and honey. He promised him a nation as plenteous as the stars in the heaven. And Abraham died without fully receiving physically that promise. But in God's time, that promise was fulfilled to Abraham and his descendants. And it's the same thing you and I need to understand, that God's times may not be our times. I want it now. I want it today. I don't want to wait. I want it to be microwavable, right? I want it to be um, on demand. That's our culture right now. We want everything on demand, when I want it, how I want it. God said, no, this isn't your schedule. This is my schedule. And and it's important for us to know that because sometimes we get frustrated with the ways of the Lord. A veces nos frustramos con los caminos del Señor. And it's important to know God has his ways and God's way is that he has set times. And he knows when he's going to do in your life, what he wants to do. So don't try to get ahead. Don't try to help God. If you look at the life of Abraham, there are a couple times when Abraham got off schedule, and he tried to help God. And one of those times, he ended up with a slave girl named Hagar that ended up with a a, a child named Ishmael from Abraham that was not part of God's plan, and God never blessed Ishmael. God never said, all right, forget Isaac, forget that whole um, other thing we were working on, we'll just go with this one. No, God said, you are going to have the boy that I promised in my time. And at the time when God decided that God wanted, Isaac was born. And the Bible said that Abraham was about 100 years old when Isaac was born. And so that just tells you a whole lot about the Lord's ways right there. Sometimes he'll make you wait till it's too late. He'll make you wait until the flesh can no longer be glorified. And then he says, all right, now it's time. He said, but Lord, if you had done this 25 years ago, I could have enjoyed it. If you had done this 25 years ago, look at what I could have done. He said, no, this is my time. I have my seasons. Dios tiene sus tiempos. Y él él hizo esperar a a Abraham cien años para tener el hijo de la promesa. Y nada iba a anticipar a Isaac. Y Dios no bendijo a nada más sino a Isaac. ¿Por qué? Porque él tiene sus tiempos. Tiene la forma en la cual él quiere y va a trabajar. Y entre más reconozcamos eso, más tranquilidad hay en nuestro caminar con Dios. That's the hard part, isn't it? Is letting God's time come. It's another word for that. It's called waiting. No nos gusta esperar. Pero si Dios tiene sus tiempos, hay que ponernos al tiempo con Dios. Now, here's the other problem. Sometimes we get behind. God is going, and we're saying, no, 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 I'm not ready. I can't. I'm not able. And we get behind schedule. God is going to do what he promised to do in your life. But you've got to be ready to wait for him, and then you've got to be ready to move when he says move. Abraham was going to discover that about God. Number three, God requires faith from those who walk with him. Number tres, Dios requiere fe de los que caminan con él. Now, you've heard me teach over and over again on faith. And I tell you all the time, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And uh, I tell you that what produces faith is the word of God, right? This sounds familiar to you? Why do I have to keep telling you that? Because God requires it. Anyone that wants to walk with God has to walk by faith. Listen, without faith, it is impossible, not difficult, impossible to please God. Sin fe es imposible, no difícil, imposible agradar a Dios. Y Dios requiere la fe de los que caminan con Él. God requires faith from the people that go with Him, that travel with Him, that walk with Him. If you're taking a road trip, you take a few friends along, you're going to require something of them. You might require them to drive. Or you might require them to... Be your co pilot or to navigate. And God, if He says, Look, you're going to ride in my van, you're going to have to do some things. And one thing you must have is faith, you have to have money. You don't have to have intellect. You don't have to have a whole lot of friends. You have to have faith. You have to believe me. You have to take me at my word. Dios nos dice, mira, si vas a viajar conmigo, si vas a caminar conmigo, no necesitas tener mucho dinero. No necesitas tener muchas amistades o amigos, no necesitas tener mucha educación. Pero es imposible caminar conmigo sin fe. God requires it. And Abraham's life is a proof of that over and over again. La vida de Abraham es una prueba de esto vez tras vez tras vez. And all throughout the Bible, you're going to see God requiring this of us. A través de la Biblia, usted va a ver esto, que Dios requiere la fe. So you say, Pastor, why does God require faith? ¿Por qué es que Dios requiere la fe para caminar con Él? Well, it's very simple. Because... God doesn't want anybody to get the credit but himself. La razón que Dios requiere la fe es que Dios no quiere o no permite que nadie más se lleve la gloria sino él. And we tend to take the glory for ourselves if we do it ourselves. If, if 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 God required money, we'd say, look, I'm rich enough to walk with God. If God required righteousness, we'd say, look, I'm righteous enough to walk with God. If God required education, we'd say, look, I'm smart enough to walk with God. But in as much as none of those things are the requirement, the requirement is faith, then you and I, all we can say is, I don't even belong on this team. I don't even belong in this family. All I know is that I believed God when he called me, when he took the initiative on my life. I believed him, and that was enough to bring me in to the family of God. So I could walk with God. Now here's number four, and this is where I want to dwell tonight. Is that God reveals himself in worship. Número cuatro, y es aquí donde voy a demorar más esta noche, es que Dios se revela en la adoración. You want to know the Lord's ways. One of the ways God operates is through worship. Dios opera a través de la adoración. Now, what I needed to explain to you tonight is, first of all, that worship is not just singing songs in church. La adoración no es simplemente cantar himnos en la iglesia. Worship is the life that you live. Adoración es una vida que usted vive para agradar a Dios. It's the lifestyle that you live to please God. You can worship God through a song, You might worship God through an offering. You might worship God by doing a good job for your boss when he's not watching. That's worship, Pastor. Yes, that's worship. Because you're saying, God, I'm going to do a good job so that you see it and you'll know that I'm honoring you. That's a lifestyle of worship. Worship is when you don't cheat on your taxes. When you do your homework without going to Google. Worship is a lifestyle. And Abraham was a man who lived a life of worship. Abraham vivió una vida de adoración. How do I know that? Because Bible scholars all throughout have called Abraham a builder of altars. This one thing you're going to notice in the life of Abraham is that he built things all the time. And these things were called altars. What is an altar except a place for worship? Abraham era un edificador de altares, y el altar es un lugar de adoración. So, whereas most of the time if you were to ask, who's the biggest worshiper in the Bible, we might say David, because he wrote uh, maybe two-thirds of the book of Psalms. But the fact is that the original worshipers in the Bible didn't sing any songs, they built altars. Los adoradores originales en la Biblia no uh, cantaron himnos, sino edificaron altares. From Cain and Abel all the way to the cross, we see over and over again the altar is the place of meeting with God. El altar es el lugar de encuentro con Dios. Now there's three things that happen at an altar. First of all, an altar is a place of worship. It's a place of adoration. Un altar es el lugar de adoración. Es un lugar donde, uh, donde damos a Dios el honor que le merece. We give to God the honor that is due him. Number two, an altar is a place of testimony. Number dos, el altar es un lugar de testimonio. Es ahí en el altar... Donde damos testimonio de lo que Dios ha hecho en nuestra vida. It's at an altar where we give a testimony of what God has done in our life. And three, number three, the altar is a place of fellowship. Número three, el altar es un lugar de comunión. This is why it worries me when I don't see the church come to the altar. Because the altar is a place of worship. And the altar is a place of testimony. And the altar is a place of fellowship. And when you don't have an altar in your life, you can't know the Lord. Si usted no tiene un altar en su vida, usted no va a conocer a Dios. Because God operates through worship. God operates through the altar. Dios opera a través de la adoración. And so Abraham is a builder of altars. He's a worshiper. And all through the seasons of Abraham's life, we see him building altars to God. We see him making a place for worship to God. He lived the altered life. I've told you this before, but it's important to repeat it, that the altar will alter your life. The altar will change your life. If you don't have an altar, your life's not going to change. What is an altar, pastor? It's a place where things die. It's a place where where you come to the end of stuff. ¿Qué es el altar sino un lugar donde mueren cosas? Entonces el altar cambia nuestra vida. El altar transforma nuestra vida. He didn't just... Uh, build one altar. Abram built many altars. Abraham edificó varios altares. And that's important tonight as well to recognize because you're not just going to have one altar in your life. Usted no va solamente tener un altar en su vida. You're not just going to meet God in one way. Sometimes God won't work the same way twice in your life. And so you're going to have to build an altar for the season you're in. And so tonight, whatever season you're in, you need to discern, I need to build an altar for this season. Cual sea la época del tiempo que usted esté, usted va a tener que edificar un altar para ese momento, para esa época. Abraham edificó varios altares. Now the problem is, many people get stuck on yesterday's altar. Well, five years ago, I heard from the Lord. Five years ago, I had a great encounter with God's presence. Five years ago, is gone. You have to build an altar for the season you're in right now. Usted tiene que edificar un altar por el día la época en que está viviendo ahorita. Listen, friends. You You might have had a very successful last season. And this season, you're not being successful. Your spiritual life seems to be in a rut. And you say, what happened to me? I'm going to the same church, I'm still tithing, I'm still singing songs, I'm still, I'm still doing all that I was doing last time, but here's the difference, you had an altar in the last season and this season you relaxed, you took a break, you put it in the neutral and things cool down and when things cool down, you start to backslide, there has to be an altar burning in your life in every season. In every season, you've got to be saying, Lord, I want to have a fresh encounter with you. I want to have a fresh meeting place with you. I can't burn, I can't go today on what what you did yesterday. I've got to have you meet my life today. And Abraham learned this. And friends, every time Abraham did not burn an altar, every time Abraham did not offer God worship, he made costly mistakes in his life. Listen, the Bible said Abraham built an altar in, in uh, chapter 12, verse 7, and then again in chapter 12, verse 8. And then he didn't build an altar, and he moved to Egypt, and bad things happened in Egypt. And when he realized he had gone wrong, he came back, built another altar. So you've got to have a, 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 a vibrant spiritual life. And I told you last time, it's going to require you to work at it. It's not just going to happen. You're going to have to make up your mind, I'm going to meet with God today. I'm going to meet with God in this season of my life. I can't go one season, not one day without God. Listen, every every one of us has the opportunity to be a friend of God. Every one of us has the opportunity to walk with God. But there is a requirement that you and I have to seek him, to walk with him. And so I want to deal tonight with worship because this is such an important part of knowing God and approaching God in our life. So what is worship? Worship is focused and deliberate time with God. Que es la adoración sino tiempo... Enfocado con Dios. Just because you came to church doesn't mean you worshipped. Say Amen, somebody. All right, you could come to church, but if you didn't focus on God, you just came to church. Focus or worship is focused time with God. When you say, "All right, I'm not going to listen to my phone." I'm not going to listen to YouTube. I'm not going to listen to my chattering children. I'm going to give God my time, my attention. That is when you begin to worship. It's very hard for God to speak. In fact, God won't speak generally while you have all these other distractions. He wants your attention. He wants your focus. Number two, focus expects To meet with God. Worship, I should say, expects to meet with God. Número dos, la adoración tiene una expectativa de tener un encuentro con Dios. Listen, guys, every time you come to church, you ought to come with the expectation of meeting with God. And every time you go into your prayer closet at home, you ought to expect to meet with God. And when you're driving on the highway and you have a few uh, hours to yourself and you're listening uh, to some worship music or you're praying, you ought to expect to meet with God. If you're washing the dishes and you're praying, you're talking to the Lord, you ought to expect to meet with God. That's what worship is. Worship is the expectation that I am going to meet with God. Think about this. At one point in the life of Abraham, he's going to offer up Isaac. Remember that? And we'll we'll deal with that in detail later. But he tells the men who are traveling with him, he says, stay here. Me and the boy are going up to worship. What are we doing? We're going to go meet with God. And, And the expectation has to be there. It has to be there because God responds to faith. And so when you come with the expectation, you're coming with faith saying, today I'm going to meet with God. Today, in one way or another, God's going to come through. It might be through the sermon. It might might be through a, a song that we sing. It might be through a moment of ministry. It might be through prayer time. But I'm going to have a meeting with God. And not only that, but worship expects a fresh word from God. La adoración no solamente espera tener un encuentro con Dios, pero espera recibir palabra de Dios. Worship expects God to speak back, to say something, to minister life to me, to give me direction, encouragement, and uh, revelation. Number three, worship is God centered. Number tres, la adoración está centrada en Dios. What do I mean by that? Worship is not about styles of music. It's not about uh, what you like or don't like. It's about God. It's God-centered. La adoración no es de que no me gusta este sí estilo, esos cantos, si, estos no. No, la adoración está centrada en Dios. And when the church comes together for worship, as I have just defined, heaven opens, doesn't it? When la iglesia se une para adorar a Dios, como yo lo acabo de definir, se abren los cielos. Why? Because God says, hey, there's a church down there that expects to meet with me. They expect to hear from me. There's faith in that place. And they're focused on me. They're centered on me. If I show up, they're not going to give anybody else the glory but me. God works through that. He reveals himself through that. And, and it's important that we know that this is the way that God operates. Because someday you're going to need God to operate in your life. How many of you need God to operate in your life? You say, Pastor, what do you mean by operating my life? You just need God to show up and do stuff. Throw his weight around. You need God to do that? Guess what? God does that when you worship. So if you're standing there complaining... Oh, I don't know why I married this man. God, why'd you give me this wife? I don't know why I have this job. Hate this. God's going to show up in that. Because you're not in his way. Si usted está renegando, diciendo, no, no me gusta esta casa y este trabajo, y no sé por qué me casé con este hombre, Dios no va a aparecer en eso. Porque esos no son sus caminos. And then you're sitting there thinking, why didn't God speak to me? Why didn't God move in my life? Why didn't God show up? Why didn't God throw his weight around for me sometimes? He's doing it for them. Why not for me? Because you're not in his ways. Well, you say, well, pastor, I don't have that problem. Maybe you're trying to skim a little off the top. Maybe trying to get ahead by cheating in your finances or someone else's finances. God's not going to show up in that. Because it's not his way. That's why I want you to know his way. So that you can know how to meet with him. And you can walk with him as a friend. que yo quiero que usted conozca los caminos de Jehová para que pueda caminar con él. Look at in Isaiah chapter 6 verse 1 through 8. The Bible says, go ahead and go there with me. Isaiah chapter 6 verse 1 through 8. Vamos a Isaías capítulo 6 verso 1. In Isaiah 6 something bad happened. Algo uh, malo acaba de suceder. The king of Israel has died. El rey de Israel ha muerto. Se llamaba Uziah. His name was Uzziah. Uzziah died and Uzziah was a complicated problem. Uziah era un problema complicado because Uzziah had been mightily used by God. He was a spiritual hero. But he had also become... A leper because of pride Usía se había hecho un héroe espiritual, pero también se hizo un leproso porque por el orgullo, and in that moment when the nation of Israel is at a low, en ese momento cuando la nación de Israel ha llegado a un lugar bajo, Isaiah decides all right, I've got to do something. What do I do when I'm low? What do I do when I'm depressed, discouraged? What do I do when I don't have the answer? Isaiah goes to worship. ¿Qué hace Isaías en ese momento bajo, en ese momento de desánimo, qué hace sino que él va y comienza a adorar? Listen, that's the life lesson right there. What do you do when things die in your life that you wish God would have raised up? What do you do when things die that you wish God would have healed? When things get low, there's only one thing to do. If you want to hear from God, you've got to build an altar. You have to go to worship. Si usted quiere uh, que Dios aparezca en un momento como este cuando está bajo que usted quizá ha llegado a la muerte de algo que usted quería, que usted buscaba, y, y Dios ha dejado que muera algo en tu vida... Entonces es necesario edificar un altar. Listen, friends, sometimes you're trying to raise up something God's trying to kill. And He said, Look, instead of, instead of weeping about Uzziah, start worshiping. En vez de llorar sobre Uzías, y llorar sobre el problema, y llorar sobre lo que perdiste, comienza a adorar. Start to worship. Start to build an altar. Well, he does that. The Bible said that in the in the year that King Uzziah died, what happened? Isaiah said, "I saw the Lord." So instead of mourning, he goes into the house of God, and starts to worship, and God showed up. Isaías comienza a adorar a Dios y Dios se aparece, and Isaiah gets a vision of God. He really gets a vision of Jesus. Isaías recibe una visión de Jesús. Why? Because God reveals himself in worship. Dios se revela a través de la adoración. And what did Isaiah see? The Bible said that he saw the Lord high and lifted up. El vio a Jehová alto y exaltado. What does that mean? Isaiah got a picture of God and he realized that God was in charge. Isaías vio un retrato, un cuadro de Dios, y reconoció, Dios está en, en control. Uzziah might be dead, but God is not dead. Usías quizá ha muerto, pero Dios no ha muerto. You, listen, that, that revelation, that insight comes to him as he's worshiping. Esa, esa revelación viene a él mientras él está adorando a Dios. He saw the Lord high and lifted up. Lo a Jehová alto y exaltado. What did Isaiah saw? He gained an understanding of the fact that God was in control. That there was no one above him. That he had the last word. And that he was going to be able to restore this nation of Israel. Because although their king had died... God was still on the throne. And that is an important revelation for somebody tonight. As you look at things in your life that have died, you say, what happened? What happened to that dream? What happened to that goal? Forget about it. Let it die. God says, I am on the throne, and I will glorify myself in your life. Say amen, somebody. He saw the Lord high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. What, how did this come about? Because Isaiah was moaning and complaining and griping and backbiting and saying, blaming other people. No, he saw this revelation of God because he began to worship. He began to build an altar. He began to establish his heart in the ways of the Lord. Look at another picture. The book of First Samuel, chapter one, verse eight. Aquí está otro cuadro. Primera de Samuel, capítulo ocho. Perdón, capítulo uno, verso ocho. There's a woman there who is unable to have children. Her name is Hannah. Está aquí una mujer que es estéril y no puede tener hijos. And she has a husband who has two wives. Ella tiene un esposo que tiene dos esposas. So she's one of two wives. Ella es una de dos esposas. So automatically there's going to be competition. Hay competencia ahí. And that would be all right if this was a beauty contest or something else. But this problem was that this was a contest about who had the most children. And and so the other, the other wife has... One child after another, after another, after another, and Hannah has none. And her husband says to her, uh, Hannah, am I not better to you than ten children? She said no. <laughs> and she's grieving because of of this lack in her life. Hannah está llorando por la, la, lo que no tiene en su vida, Su esposo tiene dos esposas. La otra esposa tiene muchos hijos. Ella no tiene ni un hijo. Y su corazón está quebrantado. What does Hannah do? She goes to the house of God and begins to worship. Ella va a la casa de Dios y comienza a adorar a Dios. And in the midst of that worship, this this worship of hers must have been unusual because when Samuel saw it, he thought she was drunk. La adoración de Ana era algo distinto porque cuando el profeta Eli, cuando Eli saw her, he said, this lady's drunk. Now this was not unusual because Israel was so backslidden at that time that people were drunk all the time at church. But he knew Hannah and he knew she wasn't like that, but he realized she must be drunk because she's she's moving her mouth, but words aren't coming out. And I can just imagine that sometimes people must think that when you and I get into worship too. Like, why does everybody have questions? She started to worship God, and the Bible said that the Lord opened her womb. Su vientre le dio vida a ese vientre. He gave life to her womb. All that time she spent complaining and competing, she didn't get anything done. Todo ese tiempo que ella pasó renegando y en competencia no recibió nada. Pero cuando edificó un altar, when she built an altar, God showed up. What am I telling you tonight? What are you telling me, Preacher. Build an altar. If, if you want to, to get over a, a low place, build an altar. If you're in a season of lack, build an altar. If you're in a season where you don't know where to go, build an altar. If you're in a season of trying to get back to God, build an altar. Because that is the way that God works. Es ahí donde Dios trabaja. Listen, friends. Ultimately... The cross of Christ is the altar. The altar to end all altars was the cross. And at the cross, we realize that God is the one has provided a table for communion. And when you and I come to the cross, we come to that altar, and we come in worship, we come in a celebration of what God has done and is doing through the life of his son and through the blood of Jesus we're able to receive those things that God has promised in his word to us. And so tonight I just want to challenge you with this. I don't know what season you're in. But I want you to ask a question. Am I building an altar for this season? Am I building a life of worship for this season? Am I just going through the motions? Am I just going through routine? Am I just doing what I know? Or am I desiring friendship with God that isn't on autopilot, that isn't on cruise control, but that is responding to the initiative of the Spirit of God in my life? When you begin to worship God out of that freshness, of relationship with him, with an expectation. With an expectation that he's going to show up, that he's going to speak, that he's going to get the the glory. He moves. And we're going to see how Abraham built four altars. And those four altars were four different seasons. And I'll just run through them real quick for you. The first altar he built when he obeyed. God had not done anything yet, but he built an altar. Some of us don't want to build an altar until God's done it. God says, build an altar first. Worship me before I do anything. Abraham edificó un altar primero cuando él obedeció a Dios. Antes que Dios hiciera ninguna cosa en su vida, él ya estaba adorando a Dios. The second altar he built on the way. El segundo altar lo edificó en el camino. Sometimes you have to build an altar in the journey. You say, God, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I was, and I'm gonna build an altar. I'm gonna worship you where I'm at. Come on, somebody, you gotta worship God where you're at. Because if you don't worship him where you're at, you're never gonna worship him where you want to be then we see in the life of Abraham that he comes to another altar and that altar becomes the altar of strength where he has a, a enriching relationship and experience with God that builds him up because he had arrived at the land that God had promised. And the last altar we are going to look at is the altar of sacrifice where he goes up to offer his son to God as an offering. And he found out that that altar of sacrifice became an altar of provision. Every season of Abraham's life, we see him offering to God worship for that season. Can I encourage you to do that tonight? Would you stand with me? Let's go to the Lord in prayer for a few minutes. Vamos a ponernos en pie esta noche y vamos a ir al Señor en oración unos momentos. How about you just build an altar right where you are tonight? ¿Por qué no edifica un altar ahí donde está esta noche? Just build an altar, right? In whatever season you're in. You may not have all the answers. You may not have all of the Things that you're praying about or for are all that God has promised. But if you want God to reveal himself, to show you the way out and the way through, the answers to build an altar, to play a place of worship for the living God. Come on, I just encourage you to lift your hands before the Lord. Worship him where you're at. Worship him with what you understand and what you don't understand. Father, this evening we come into this house and we want to lift up to you an altar of worship. Not the altar of a a blood sacrifice of an animal or of the fruit of of the ground, but we want to bring to you the fruit of our lips. We want to bring to you our faith and our confidence to say, God, we worship you, we honor you. We want to lift up to you the glory that you are worthy of. In every season of our life, we have this expectation, God, that you will meet with us in this season. And that you will teach us about yourself and draw us nearer to yourself. We want to be the friends of God. We want to be friends of God. We say as the psalmist, teach us your ways. Teach us your ways, O Lord.